Hi, I'm Rena Grove. And I'm Madhvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week we'll be discussing a different trend or topic so you can stay informed the easy way. So, Madhvi, what's the topic this week? So this week, motherhood has been on my mind a lot because of a few things. First of all, I finally got round to seeing The Lost Daughter, which is based on a novel by Elena Ferrante, who I love, 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 love. I read the book quite some years ago, and the film does a really good job of bringing the novel and all its issues and the complexities of being a mother to life. At the same time, there were a couple of really big articles that were published in the New York Times and The Atlantic about how mothers and parents of children under the age of five have just about like had enough. The New York Times launched this sort of interactive platform for mothers or parents called the Primal Scream. They basically just gave mothers and parents sort of the chance to call in and say what they were really feeling at this point. And it's fascinating, as well as those kind of discussions about parenting and motherhood in our society and culture today. There was this otherworldly chat started off by, of course, Elon Musk on Twitter, who said, oh, we should be looking at the population decrease right now. That should be a problem that we should be solving. And then a bunch of tech bros, basically like the guy who started Ethereum, which is cryptocurrency, and some other really sort of big tech guy, innovator people, kind of jumped straight, more or less, pretty, really fast into the question of synthetic rooms. So they were like, oh yeah, we should be looking at synthetic rooms, and that's going to solve the gender pay gap in their minds. Because, you know, the problem is not that women aren't valued enough. The problem is not parenting, apparently, and everything that happens after the baby. The problem is just relieving the mother of her birthing capabilities which is amazing capability first of all so they want to take that power and that amazing creative power away from women and make them basically so they own them these babies and how clueless are men (laughs) unbelievable because also when you think these are supposed to be the top thinkers apparently And they missed the point of everything. Basically, there's so much that we don't know about pregnancy and what happens in the womb, first of all. And as a lot of writers have pointed out, as a critique of this, they were just like, well, maybe we should think about fixing the system we have and all the problems we have, not just creating a synthetic womb, because we've also got a problem with people who just think, oh, we can just come in, get this technological solution, and without actually addressing all of the complexities of the issue. So there was that. And then to add on to the pile of men coming up with ridiculous and insulting solutions, there was the Pope recently who said something like, people should have more children and people who are treating their pets like children are wrong. It has to be said for all these men, for the Pope as well as Elon Musk, their ability to have power and economic power as well as influential power does come from the fact that we do need to maintain a sort of birth rate in the population and that birth rate is going down because I think women are just like well not supported they are not valued for the work they do it is very hard work and they're the only people doing it and in order to be happier 
in our society they've decided a lot of people have as many children and instead of addressing or talking to women and figuring out what these complexities are that Elena Ferrante so eloquently shows in her work, these men are just like, oh, well, here's a solution. And so it's just been a ridiculous week and motherhood has been at the centre of it. It fills me with such rage that these men feel like this is their place to talk about this. And I mean, what else would you expect? Because I think that that is just men do that all the time with every single subject. They think they are the experts on absolutely everything, even things that they know nothing about. I think along with the fact that being a mother is completely undervalued and is very hard work and is not acknowledged, they're also just completely ignoring the fact that we live in an incredibly unstable time, like the economy's not that great, young people aren't making enough money. There are so many factors that play into this, and what? Yeah, climate change, for example, a lot of people are deciding not to bring babies into the world when we've surpassed, I think, the amount of chemicals, man-made chemicals and harmful chemicals that we should have in the atmosphere. We have microplastics everywhere. Children born in the West are consuming a lot of resources and things like that as well. In her book, The Feminist City, Leslie Kern is talking about how cities aren't made for women. She talks about this idea of how the entire city, I think I've mentioned this before, is designed for men, like where the subway or public transport stops are are designed so they're most convenient for men. Trams, subways aren't made for mothers with strollers or even, you know, people with disabilities who are using wheelchairs. But one of the interesting things that she said was, I can't remember which government it was recently, but they said that they were going to start paying women to not have children because it's better for the climate. And she points out that this is just another aspect of society using women's body as a battleground for climate change. And furthermore, it's just another act of controlling women's bodies. Suddenly, the responsibility of climate change is on women. We're not going to have any more babies. And it's like, okay, I rationally understand the thinking behind not having children because it's better for the environment. But at the same time, there are so many other things we could be doing. Why all of a sudden is this women's responsibility again? And then you have freaking Elon Musk, who is just, ugh, being like, I'm going to make a synthetic wound. You're just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What is wrong with the world? What is wrong with men? I mean, it wasn't Elon Musk who started the discussion, then it was all these like basically tech bros who we went to synthetic rooms very fast. Yeah, but it feels on brand for Elon Musk. That sounds like a silly idea he would come up with. Well, as him and his bros is definitely within their worldview and way of looking at things. And this is one of the things that when engineers who kind of make solutions are put in charge of the world, it's a bit of a problem because they've got this compartmentalized thinking. They also think technology can fix everything, whereas obviously parenthood and motherhood is just so complex. There's also something kind of frustrating about that because aside from the fact that they completely miss the point of what is hard about having children or not having children or motherhood is actually for people who really want children and naturally like cannot have children, a synthetic womb actually might be super useful. But that's not the reason they're developing it. The journalist Liz Lentz who writes this amazing newsletter called Men Yell at Me, she said of this Twitter thread, this is a very, tell me you devalue people with uteri without telling me you devalue people with uteri moment. She said, the actual pregnancy itself is not the reason that there is an economic disparity 
And the actual raising of the child part is the thing that really gets you. And also, of course, pregnancy isn't just something like your laundry that you can just drop off at the dry cleaner. She also said she pointed out a time when she was married and she would ask her husband to help with chores and he'd be like, wow, a robot should do this. And I was like, well, yeah, until one exists, someone has to do it. And I think that's the burden of motherhood and responsibility and everything that's put onto women. Like, there's so much labour in it. And in this film, The Lost Daughter, when Leda, who is the main character, she's played by Olivia Coleman, she sees somebody who is pregnant. She's like, oh, when are you giving birth? And the woman tells her. And then they have this funny moment where, where Leda says, yes, you know, I, I've had two children. She says, parenthood is a crushing responsibility, which is such a truthful line, but it's not a line that you would tell a pregnant woman necessarily. We normally kind of coat it with sugar. We don't really admit that, yeah, it's a crushing responsibility. And in this film, you can see Leda when she's younger. She says to her husband, who is, you know, going off working and all of this sort of stuff, and she's left with the kids a lot of the time. She's like, what if I can't look after them? He's like, no, you'll be fine. But, you know, you really feel this, like, crushing responsibility. And also, you were saying, like, the responsibility on bodies, because in this film, there's so many, like, bodies touching bodies, and all the mothers are being played with, their hair's being combed, they're being treated like dolls by their children, they're being dragged up to go to the sea, their bodies are just these pliable kind of things that don't even belong to them. They have to sacrifice and give it all over to the child, which, of course, can be incredibly frustrating. So I really like this way that the bodies and the dolls and the children and the skin of the mothers and it's all mixed and then it brings back memories for the letter of her past. It's just so sensual in a way and body-based. And then if you put synthetic wombs into this, you're like, what are you talking about? Like, are there going to be robots raising the children too? Like, how does this work? You were saying before that pregnancy is incredibly, like, sugar-coated. It's so romanticized because no one really talks about the realities of pregnancy I was watching the Ali Wong stand-up where she's talking about wearing diapers and like afterbirth. And I think this was like two years ago, three years ago that Mm. that came out. That was the first time I had ever heard of that. Mm. Which like, that's ridiculous. How did I make it to my late 20s without really knowing the realities of birth? I mean, if you knew, you might not do it. And that's a threat to our entire society. So, you know, women are lied to or they are coerced and manipulated in thinking, there's only one view of motherhood, which is why I think this film is so good, because obviously there are mothers who are totally into it, and every single moment is a joy. One of my friends has a, a daughter, and she always wanted to be a mother. She's totally into magic and playing and talking, and she's into that, and she loves it. But I think for a lot of people who go into not just pregnancy, but also raising children, they don't know how exhausting, how frustrating it can be how negating it can be to your own intellectual space. Like in this film, you just see her trying to, when she's got her two young children, she's very smart. She's also trying to like translate and and have space and she's trying to listen to translations and you just get this mummy, mummy, mummy all this time and she's always being bugged. Her piece in this film is constantly being intruded on, even in her new world. You know, at some point she's asked, you know, can you move your sunbed? Because, you know, I want my family to be together. And she's like, no. I don't want to. I love that moment. That moment is really scary because I think as women, and me especially, I feel so uncomfortable saying no or denying another person their wish. And a lot of that is also to do with, you know, motherhood. 
you're not supposed to deny anyone else their wish over you. And this is what is the big reveal of the film. It's not really a spoiler alert because everything's kind of about mood and this feeling. But Leda is a mother who, at some point, she leaves her children. She just walks out for three years and then she comes back. And she says in the film, like, she's an unnatural mother, which is quite interesting because I don't feel she was an unnatural mother. I thought she was a very good mother. You know, she interacted with her children and she played with them. She gave them a lot of love, but it was just too exhausting for one person to take on. And her husband was not helping. Nobody really minds or nobody cares too much if a guy walks out on his children but a mother doing it is scandal, totally. And I think for such an intelligent young woman who needed the space to expand her thoughts and she was not getting it, I can totally understand why she walked out, but yet was still a very loving mother. She did it for herself, survival. Why shouldn't mothers be also selfish? It kind of reminded me of Doris Lessing. She won the Nobel Prize for Literature. She's really great. She is an amazing writer. She also walked out on her children, and in her novels, she's got a series of novels called The Children of Violence, her character, which is kind of based on her and her life, she deals with this. You're in such a constrained position as a woman who also wants to do other things and wants a kind of freedom that she walked out. I think the film did a very nice job of very, like, subtly and low-key, because at one point, you know, when she and her husband are fighting in one of the flashbacks, she sort of takes a jab at him that like he couldn't even finish school. And that was, I don't want to say a nice moment, but I think that that really represented sort of the imbalance within their relationship. Because here she is, you know, she's a translator. She goes to this conference and she's highly praised and referenced. And yet at the same time, all of that is supposed to come second to being a mother. Whereas I don't want to say that education makes you more valuable than not being educated, not at all. But it's like the film very clearly represents that she is super talented and ambitious. And yet, in comparison with her husband, she's supposed to put all that all aside. Because she's a mother now. And that's supposed to be and more important. And also her sexual desires are totally... You know, she's not supposed to be a sexual being. She's not supposed to be an intellectual being. She's just a body. Servant of her children. She's a servant of her children. Another really good Elena Ferrante novel is The Days of Abandonment. It's the first Ferrante novel I ever read, and it's amazing. I recommend everyone read it for a picture of motherhood is. But she describes in this the experience of breastfeeding. She says, I was like a lump of food that my children chewed without stopping, a card made of living material that continually amalgamated and softened its living substance to allow two greedy bloodsuckers to nourish themselves. Now, you normally don't hear of mothers talking about this in this way at all, but Elena Fronte is a mother, she's talking as a writer, her job is to tell her truth, and so if it's the truth of one woman, I think it's going to be the truth of many women, not all women, but it's also a, these women have been denied the chance to express themselves because it's just so taboo. I remember after Kim Kardashian had her first or second child, I can't remember, she did this like really sexy photo shoot. And there were so many comments underneath where people were like, oh my God, how can she do this? She's a mother. It's like, well, yeah, but mothers are still humans. They're still sexual beings. They still have desires they still want to be they're still people they still exist within the world they're not just there for their children but that's very much how we view mothers within society they completely lose their identity and then 
when I was watching this movie, I thought of, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Gilmore Girls. No. The show is about a mother-daughter relationship. And I remember there's this one moment in the TV show where the daughter Rory goes off to college. And it's the episode where the mother Lorelai drops her off at college. And then all the way at the end of the episode, she comes back home to their house. And obviously her daughter's gone now. And she just kind of stands there in the entryway. And it's just like, there's no music. Usually the show ends with like music and it fades out. It's completely silent. And she's just standing there in this empty house, just like looking around. And it's such a poignant moment because you really realize, oh, wow, like not only do we expect mothers to sacrifice their lives to their children, but then we sort of forget about them and push them aside once their children are gone in this role we've shoved them into has completely, I mean, I guess you never stop being a mother, but when your kids leave the house, your involvement with them changes. And all of a sudden, it's like, you've been shoved into this role for so long, now it's gone. What do you do? Who are you? An entire existential crisis happens, but more so because if we don't value mothers, we definitely don't value women in that stage of their life even less than we value mothers, because society at least glorifies women who are mothers in a certain way, and then as soon as they've done that, as soon as they've fulfilled their like need to society, it's like, okay, bye. You're, you know, a woman who's sitting at the beach and we can just ask her to move. Yeah. I was reading an article in Vogue in which they interviewed the costume designer because I was so fascinated by all the costumes. So in the original novel, it's actually set like around Naples. In Naples, you get these Neapolitan people who like, I completely can see like they're very loud and brash and uh, it's the same kind of relationship here. Here it's sort of moved to Greece and it's a bit weird actually. I didn't really like the location change because it kind of threw me. I was like, where are they? Are they in Ireland? Are they in Greece? Are they in Italy? Like it was all a bit mixed, but anyway, this new family comes in and they've just got all of these chains and bright loud colors and their nails are done and these tattoos and stuff. Whereas Olivia Coleman, Leda, is wearing these breezy white shirts and it just like represents sort of a freedom. She has her freedom. Whereas when you see Nina, who is played by Dakota Johnson, looks stunning in this movie. Uh, she's got these kind of bikinis that crisscross her body and she's sort of confined to this idea of womanhood and this kind of performing in a way as well. And I think what Leda is trying to do is it's very enigmatic in some ways the film but I think what she's trying to do by taking this doll I mean partly she might be doing it for herself to reconnect to this old abandoned motherhood thing in her life but also partly she might be messing with Nina to try and push her to the point where she also gets her own freedom I don't know what you thought about this. I don't know. I couldn't really, a part of me felt like she was trying to punish Nina, but I couldn't really, I couldn't really justify why I came to that conclusion. Yeah, I think she's trying to show Nina who, because Nina says she's very happy. Yeah. And Nina's not going to make a change necessarily unless she's pushed to exhaustion and this idea of exploding. And what Leda says is that she felt always like she was going to explode and then she exploded and when she exploded she left and that was her moment of like self-preservation in a way and I think she wants to take Nina along mm -hmm. with her but it's very interesting because all these characters it's so they're so crisscrossed it's so intricate because who is the lost daughter is the lost daughter you know it could be on one level 
it's the child goes missing on the beach and it reminds uh, Leda of her own child going missing. But also Leda herself is kind of a lost daughter because like she doesn't have a good relationship with her mother and maybe that influenced her. Or is it like the lost doll? But then the doll also has something inside it, like a worm inside it. And it's like a mama, the doll and the, the child. When the child is upset, it's mothered by the doll almost. So the child is treating the mother like a doll. Like there's so many crisscrosses in this between dolls and mothers and daughters. It's just so complex that, yeah, I think it's probably going to remain a bit enigmatic. But that's why I really liked it. There's also something when she took the doll, a part of me thought that she was trying to save the little girl from the pattern continuing because as a little girl you're given dolls to play with and I remember when she was little we used to ask my niece what she wants to be when she grows up and she used to say she wants to be a mommy she doesn't say that anymore she wants to be a doctor Mm. yes this is highly (laughs) encouraged in the household but part of me thought maybe she took the doll because she wants to break the cycle break this stereotype or break this oh, you, you want the baby? You want the child? No, you're going to be without it. You're not going mm, to be a mother. Yeah. But then she's playing with the doll as a fully grown woman. It's very interesting. But yeah, just going back to this idea of, like you were saying, Kim Kardashian and like mothers not being able to express certain parts of themselves and just having to fit into this one role and basically sacrifice their own expression. I wanted to play some parts of Primal Scream on the New York Times interactive platform. So the New York Times gave mothers a platform to basically say what they really wanted to say and what they really were feeling at this time. And I'll just play some of it because it's super fascinating and real. Welcome to the New York Times Primal Screen Line. The floor is yours. I just wanted to say, I'm so sick of my God. Damn, kid. This pandemic has made me realize that maybe I'm not cut out to be a mother. I am doing my sixth load of laundry today. Oh, God, every day I think I can't do this again. But then I do. I get it. I get up and I do it because that's just what parents do, right? All I hear. <laughs> All the live long day. Mom, 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 mom. so absolutely fascinating two things come to mind when i listen to those one the mom 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 makes me think of a story that the comedian ed byrne tells he says that he's on the tube in london and there's a mother with a small child sitting there and the kid keeps doing the same thing going mom 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 and eventually the mother would be like what and then the kid will go that man has a hat and then it'll be quiet for a while and then the kid will go mom 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 And then he says that after like the fourth or fifth time this happens, the mother turns and looks at her son and just goes, I can't believe how happy I was when you first said that word. (laughs) But that's the thing. You're not supposed to lose, lose it. You're not supposed to get frustrated. You're not supposed to get angry. You're not supposed to tell them to shut up. And of course, children are delicate creatures. It's, It's not good if you do that. But also, come on, like any human being 
if men were in charge of this, Liz says in her thing, like, you tell a man to do something, and they're like, wait, oh, this should be, this shouldn't be a thing we have to do. It's like, yeah, but, like, it just shows you also, like, how much labour women do for everything that is just invisible. And then these guys just coming up with, oh, we should just have a synthetic womb to fix this. Like, it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible amount of ignorance. I've taught children before in summer school and stuff, and all day from nine to five, they're just going, because it's taught in Italy, so they go, maestro, 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 maestro. You're exhausted. You just go home, you lie down, and you're like, I need silence. But you can't do that as a mother because you're always with your children. I have a friend who used to teach in summer camps as well while he was at university. And I remember one time he was telling me, oh, he's going back to school. And he was like, he was studying physics. And he was like, right, okay gotta get my brain up to speed because I just spent the entire summer with children and your brain capacity just goes like tanks and he was like right physics exactly because you're dealing with that man has a hat which is just infuriatingly mundane and boring and rubbish sometimes they'll point out something good but a lot of the times it's just rubbish and you have to listen to that and acknowledge it yeah I wonder if I'm going to be very, very careful about how I phrase this because like in Germany, you sometimes have this thing called mehrere Generationen house where like people will, families will live together. And if I think about the way that we were raised or the way that my mother was raised or my grandmother was raised, there was very much a community feel to raising children. Like my grandmother was around a lot when we were being brought up. She took care of us a lot of the time to like share the workload amongst different people. In this case, I say it was just my grandmother because my first thought after I said that was like, oh, great, women are continued to then expect to look after their grandchildren as well. I only have my grandmother. All my other grandparents are no longer alive. But I was just thinking it was like, I don't know, is our society becoming more individualistic? Because I think specifically in the United States, there's sort of this thought of, oh, your parents become a certain age, you stick them into a nursing home so you don't have to take care of them. Whereas from what I've observed, very specifically of my mother's family in this case, you don't do that. You are responsible for everyone within your family at all times, not just as women, but just as the family. So you look after everyone. So like my grandmother helped my cousin with her children her mother and father help her with her kids now. And it's like, you share the responsibility of raising the children with everyone, not just the mother, but still kind of the women in the family still mostly take on the burden. So it's not like the grandfathers and uncles are really contributing all that much. I mean, I guess kind of. What I loved in this film is all the men. So the husband of Leda, for example, he's sort of useless and not really doing much. And then there's the guy who looks after her Airbnb and he basically didn't do much for his children either. Then there's the guy who is the husband of Nina. He just comes in on the weekend, jumps in, like buys her hat, whatever. It's not really, he's not always there and doing so all the men are kind of peripheral and there's something they're just not in this world and they're also not to be relied on and then when she does walk out on her husband her husband's not like you know she looks after the kids by herself all this time but when her husband is asked to do that when she walks out he's like no i'm gonna have to call your mother i can't do this alone which is he's relying on another woman so it's just women and women and women but what you were saying about are we becoming more individualistic Mark Fisher in Capitalist Realism 
has a really good point where he says, as capitalism grew, it's no coincidence that it grew in line with the nuclear family of this idea of, you know, you have a house and you have a private sphere and you have two parents and two children and, and that's your kind of individual self. And that space is supposed to, within like a very capitalistic society, which I guess is the US and the UK more than Germany, in that space, which is your sacred space, that's where you should be like healed and cared for enough so that you can go back out in order to serve the needs of capitalism and all your anxiety and mental illness and stress and all of this sort of stuff is supposed to be cared for within the house. And the people who are doing all the caring in the home are women and I think this is a really big problem because less and less people are having children and a lot of women are choosing to not live with men and I think this causes a massive massive problem for men who have traditionally relied on women and women's bodies to do all of this caring and to make private sphere thing but without the women and I don't know if men are intelligent enough to actually realize this for themselves they they're going to be lost and as women we always like building communities and sort of thinking about how we can support each other i don't think that's so much the case for men i don't think they their brains work like that i think like liz said in her newsletter when when a man realizes you have to do a certain thing he's like what this is a thing like they don't know because women have taken on all this labor so i think it's going to cause also an even bigger massive massive mental health problem for men if this sort of imbalance is not addressed and also if all of this labor and the immense incredible difficulty of it is not openly talked about and acknowledged a lot of men can't really not all because i know like actually amazing men who have very good male friendships but a lot of them can't really talk about emotions or open up to other men because they're insecure about their identity of masculinity and stuff within male spaces whereas with women they feel they can be more emotional and stuff but if they don't address this within their own gender like i think it's gonna be a big problem well then they lean on the women in their lives for their like to mother them to be their emotional crutches right be that they're partners mostly their partners right so then their partners have to be the mothers to their husbands or significant others as well, right? It's the joke in Modern Family that she says all the way at the beginning where she, Claire says, the first day of school is hard on all my children, especially the one I marry. Can I tell my Maggie Gyllenhaal story now? It's not really even a story, but I just really want to get it into the podcast now. (laughs) So I've been wanting to tell this story in this episode for a while now. (laughs) Madvi says she's going to cut this, so let's see if it makes the final take. I have a story about Maggie Gyllenhaal, who, if you don't know, wrote and directed The Lost Daughter. So on the street that I used to live on in New York City, the first street I lived on, there's a really fancy school at the end of it, and a lot of celebrities took their kids. So one day, I was standing on the corner of the street, and I noticed someone very tall and elegant next to me, and I looked over, and I was like, that's Maggie Gyllenhaal. That's my story. I stood next to Maggie Gyllenhaal once. At that's a not even a story. <laughs> that's why I want to cut it. But if you insist... <laughs> This is a collaborative podcast, unfortunately. (laughs) Okay, so. (laughs) On that note, here are three things you can do this week to be a better person. Number one, motherhood is a very complex subject and not all women feel the same about it. So have an open mind, listen, and don't judge when people try to talk to you about their experiences. Number two, don't ask women when they're having children. Just don't do that. 
You don't know what their circumstances are, if they don't want children, if they can't have children, and it's none of your business. Number three, watch The Lost Daughter. It's on at cinemas or it's streaming on Netflix right now. It's a really great film. And if you like, read the novel or any of Elena Ferrante novels. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as four euro a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed. For links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, request, or just to say hi misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.